Good evening. It's 6.30 and it's time to begin. It's so good to see each and every one of you here this evening and trust and pray that others are on the way and will be here very shortly. Let us bow for a word of prayer as we begin our service this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you again this evening for this privilege that we have been afforded, that we can gather together in a manner such as this to worship and to praise you. We ask our Father this evening that as we join together in lifting our voices in praise and adoration to you, that you would bless us. Bless our time together. Bless your word to us this evening. May we be challenged afresh and anew. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Good evening, church. It's good to be back here this evening. And uh, though few in number, the Lord is with us. And he still is here to uh, rejoice over us with singing. And we are delighted to be involved in praising his name again this evening. We're going to read a couple psalms tonight, and we're going to sing a familiar classic praise song and a very uh, classic hymn of praise to our God tonight. And so let's, let's do that. Let's praise our God. I will extol you, O God, my King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. He is my God. He is my King. Let's sing to him together. He is exalted. The King is exalted on high. I will praise him. He is exalted forever, exalted, and I will praise His name. He is the Lord, forever His truth shall reign. Heaven and earth rejoice in His holy name. Exalted, the King is exalted on high. He is exalted. He is exalted. The King is exalted on high. I will praise Him. He is exalted forever, exalted, and I will praise Him. He is the Lord, forever His truth shall reign, heaven and earth, rejoice in His holy name, He 
exalted on high. He is exalted. He is exalted. The King is exalted on high. He is. He is exalted. The King is exalted on high. He is the Lord. Forever is true. among the nations, his wonders among all peoples, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be praised above, feared above all gods. He is exalted. He is evening to do just that. Let's stand together as we read the unison reading from Psalm chapter, actually it's from First Chronicles chapter 29 verses 11 through 13. One of the great prayers of the Bible. Let's read it together in worship to our God. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth. Yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. 
Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all, and in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Amen? Amen. How great he is. my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the displayed then sings my soul my Savior God to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my Savior God to thee Son, not sparing, sent him to die. I scarce can take it in that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Because of that. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou And then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art.
Like you, O oh God, in all the earth. Our last responsive reading is from Psalm chapter 86, beginning at verse 8. Let's read it together. There is no one like you among the gods, O oh Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O oh Lord, and they shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. Amen. You may be seated. At this time, you're going to receive our evening's tithes and offerings. Let us look to the Lord as we return thanks. Our Father, again, we thank you for this privilege. Thank you that we, here in the Bahamas, are able to assemble openly and lift your name in worship and praise. For many of our brothers and sisters tonight have to meet secretly. They cannot meet in an open place such as this and speak the name of Jesus. But we thank you that we have this privilege. And Lord, we just ask that we would not take this privilege lightly because there may be a time, and maybe to us, like our brothers and sisters in those other countries who cannot openly gather to worship you. But we pray, our Father, that as long as we have this privilege, that we can do so, that we will continue to assemble ourselves in this manner. Lord, as we come this evening, we again remember those of our congregation who are in need of our prayers. We think again of our brother Kenny and sister Jan, brother Kenny in hospital, and the family. And the news that we have just learned that he has an infection in the blood and would have to be treated with antibiotics. Lord, we just pray especially at this time that he would feel your presence in his midst right now. And he would know that you are the almighty, all-conquering God. There is nothing that is impossible with you. And we remember also this evening Sister Rosie Roberts in the U.S. 
having to undergo some medical attention. Lord, we just ask that you would give the doctors wisdom on how to treat her. We pray also for those that are bereaved of our congregation. Again, we remember Sister Dot, Alan, Ron, and the family as they grieve the loss of their, their husband and father, Brother Carl. Comfort them, Lord, as no other one can comfort them. May they know the peace of God that passes all human understanding. Now as we come and as we bring our gifts and our offerings to you, our Father, we pray that you would bless them and use them, that your kingdom may be extended, not only here in the Bahamas, but around the world. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Think that God, his son, not sparing, sent him to die to take away sins. Sometimes we sing these songs and we just gloss over the words and don't let it resonate in our hearts. That was a serious thing. For me, the God of the universe, the sovereign God, to do that for me, insignificant me. And this song reminds me of the reason he did it. He loves me. And that's a big deal. And I pray that your hearts would be encouraged as you remember that God did it because he loves you. It must be love. Why would you, the God of greatness, simply love someone like me? And how could you, so pure and perfect, know my thoughts, yet meet my needs? I'll never know or understand just what you see in me. My mind is amazed to think your plans include me for eternity. It must be That's your love and nothing else 
forgiving my sin and then forgetting that's your love and nothing less if i could give my everything it wouldn't be enough for every good and perfect gift is more than i deserve it must be Anita, you know, when we think of love, we just can't understand it. It's just beyond our comprehension. But we do know that he loves us. We're here tonight because of his love. This morning we had a wonderful example and a wonderful celebration as we remember his great dying love for us on Calvary. Let us pray. Our Father, once again, we come with humble hearts to your presence. We want to thank you for your presence here. And we beg you that you would just speak through the words that you have given to me, that each one of us would be blessed, dear Lord, and challenged, and that your name would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. This evening, I would like for us to take what I call a bird's eye, just a bird's eye view of one of the most unique books in the Bible. For quite some time, I have been focused on this book. Maybe it is because I'm getting older. And perhaps nearer home. I can almost say with the song writer, I think his name was... Um, his name was this 
Tatley Brothers used to sing a song sometime. The name of it was Angels Band. Do you remember that song? It says, my latest song is sinking fast. My race is almost won. I love the book of Revelation because it tells me about my home, my eternal home. Whenever any one opens the Bible to the book of Revelation, we seem to be on a very high note, very, very high note, because it takes us to some peaks in life that makes us scared. Some of us are scared of heights. And uh, when we read Revelation and see all these things that that's, has happened, that's happening and that's going to happen, we get scared sometimes. But like John, we know that God is in control. As Bible scholars, we find some interesting quotation from the writer of John. He was, we're told, Jesus' last disciple alive. All the others had been martyred for their faith in Christ. But rather than make a martyred hero of John, the local Roman authorities decided to exile him on a little island that's called Patmos. I checked out Patmos and found out that Patmos is just five square miles, maybe about twice the size of um, Harbor Island. You know, I think Harbor Island is 11 square miles. Hope I'm right. But he was there. And uh, let's look back, see if we can look back now. 2,000 years ago, there wasn't any running water. We didn't have BEC there. There wasn't even, there wasn't no cell phone. There are a lot of islands were out there, but he was placed on the island of Patmos, somewhere off the coast of Asia Minor, for some 30 years, we are told. Long after the crucifixion of Christ had taken place, John had been faithful all these years. But now he is faced with the greatest trials of his life. He was abandoned on an unpopulated and deserted island with only the sea between him and his family. Here we find John one who had left his father's fishing business to follow Jesus. 
and had worked himself up to be what we could call today one of the who's who among the disciples. With Peter and James, we find him at the, law, at the Last Supper. As a matter of fact, John, writer of Revelation, was seated next to Jesus, we are told. And you remember the story? He leaned over to ask Jesus some question, as, it, as a matter of fact, who it was that was going to betray him. He was the only disciple to show at the crucifixion. Where were the others? Probably they were disappointed. Their Savior had failed them. He was dead. But John was the only disciple, we are told, that showed up at the crucifixion. And it was there, we will remember, when Jesus looked around and saw his mother, saw John, he entrusted the care of John to his mother. We find this in John chapter 19, beginning at verse 25. Verse 27 says, Then he said to the disciples, it says, Abba John, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple, John, we know now, took her into his house. Now, those of us who studied the Gospel of John, you will remember that John's name was never mentioned. You won't find the word John. You will always find that disciple whom Jesus loved and so on. But John took him. And you wonder how John lived so long? There's one promise we have in God's word. It tells us, honor your father and your mother and your days will be long. And John lived a long old age. But now John was alone abandoned on an isolated island. He was facing death, wondering about the future. What would happen, I imagine, John said, what would happen to the fragile churches on the mainland? How long would the persecution last? What about the Savior's promise to return? All these questions probably filled his mind. Then Sunday morning came. It was the Lord's Day. Resurrection Day. I often remember the Spanish translation. We don't have a translation for Easter. It's translated resurrection. Sunday came. Sunday morning came. It was the Lord's Day. Resurrection Day. And John knew that the churches would be assembled 
and we would be praying for him. That's when it all happened. A booming voice broke the silence, announcing, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, Revelation 1, 10 and 11. When John turned around to see who it was that was speaking to him, he saw the risen Christ in all his divine glory and heavenly splendor. He had come for his faithful disciple who cared for his earthly mother. How it was now it was the Savior's turn to care for John. And it was time to take him home. You know, I often think of John After disappointment came the blessing that he was going to be rewarded for his faithfulness. There are many unanswered questions about the book of Revelation. Did they find it beside the body of John? Did he live to be recalled from exile? How did the book pass from the seven churches in Asia to the other Christian community? We may never know the answer to these questions, but several things are clear as they, from this chapter, we find John was exiled in Patmos. That's clear. Another thing that's clear is that Christ appeared to him. No question about that. Next thing that's clear is the revelation was given to John. Then, the fourth thing that's clear is that it was sent to the seven churches for each one to read. Now, we can speculate as much as possible, how did they get there? They didn't have DHL. They didn't even have plane to take it. They didn't have the, the postal service. wasn't available in those days. How did it get there? Let us not hurt ourselves with this. God can do anything. He had his way to get this message across there. And we thank God today that we have the 21 chapters in the Gospel of Revelation. And we can read it. It's a very difficult book. Many things is still we don't understand too well, but we know 
that John wrote it. We do know that he was in the spirit. This book is unique for its number system. You talk about numbers? Yes. The book of Revelation is unique for its number system. Especially the number seven. I don't want anybody to go and buy seven hours. The number seven appears many times. We have the seven churches, chapter one. And that went on to chapter three, verse 22. We find the seven seals that's spoken about, beginning in chapter four. We find the seven trumpets in chapter eight. We find the seven symbol figures in chapter 12. We find the seven bowls in chapter 15. We find the seven judgments beginning from chapter 17. Then the seven trumpets, chapter 19, the verse 22 and verse 5. As I said earlier, that John realized that his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, had come for him. And I want us now to look at what Jesus revealed to him in chapter 21. Beginning at verse 1, we find these words. Then he says, I saw heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Why the sea? You remember the thing that separated John from his family and those churches there was the sea. We're living on an island, but we can get from one place to the other easily. You know, we are not, we are not maroon here. We are not exiled here. You're here. And we have neighbors and friends all around. But John says that this was sea was no more. There wasn't any sea existed no more. He says the old earth and the old heavens all disappeared. And I like that. This old earth with its problems cares, trials, difficulties, all were gone. You will note that I give my message tonight, the heading, house warming. I thought of calling it open house. But then I did some research on the word open house and found out that open house usually referred to a company or a college that would be opening their, 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 their houses, their, their, their space, or business space, for a limited amount of time. You may have about two or three hours as an open house. I said, well, that's, that won't work too much. Then I thought of housewarming. I checked that out. 
And I found out that among the many things that housewarming refers to is a party to celebrate a person's move to a new home. Party to celebrate a person's move to a new home. And I said, I'll stick with that. So I send it to the publisher of the bulletin, and that's what we have. So, may I remind you of the words of Jesus just before he returned to glory. Quoting from John 14, and part of verse 3, we find these words. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And then he went on a little further and he says, I will come back to receive you unto myself. What beautiful words. Any judgment of the mind tells us that this provision is for those, you and I, who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, he has gone to prepare a place for us. Now comes the big question. Are you ready to go? Seriously now. This morning we sang a beautiful hymn, and you know, there must have been about 200 and over 200 of us in here. When we all get to heaven, everybody lights up. You know, there were people moving you. I didn't think um, Brother So-and-so could move, but you know, he was moving to the sound of that music. When we all get to heaven. But are you really, honestly speaking now, are you really? Do you really want to go now? It's a question we ask ourselves so many times. Sometimes when life is going on good, we say, oh Lord, if it was right now. But then when you face it, some people would say, well, Lord, not now. You know, I remember... Uh, Thinking of Brother Carl right now, how he went home, the Lord took him so suddenly, Tuesday, last Tuesday. He could have said, well, Lord, let's just let me make one telephone call. Let me call my wife to tell her what's going on. Or let me call my son at the church to tell him what's going on, then he will tell the rest of people. But it's not so with Jesus. Whenever he's ready, he's ready. I think it was the Apostle Paul who said, when the fullness of time was come, God sent his son. When we were children, those, those days when we used to play around outside, you know, but not too many people don't play in there. When you get home, you get in your room, and, and most children, they take their, their uh, laptop or, or you name it, and order from the mom in the kitchen what they want for lunch and dinner, you know. There was a game we used to play, Ready or Not, Here I Come. <laughs> and uh, I think 
with Jesus. When he's ready, he's coming. And his words to us is that we be ready because an hour that we may when think not, he comes. Please note that John did not have a dream. Some people said John had a dream. He did not have a dream. He had something more than a dream. And I would hesitate to say that he had an out-of-body experience. I believe John had a vision, so the Bible says. He had a vision. He saw Jesus. And the thing of it, it happened on Sunday, the Lord's Day. It, quite some time had passed since the crucifixion. It, since the time that John sat to the Last Supper, someone says it from then until this particular time, he must, it must have been about 60 years has passed, over 60 years had passed. At this time, John was well in age. And it was God's time that he would come for his servant, John. Jesus, just before taking him home to his open house and as we now take a peep into this house that Jesus showed John in chapter 21. Chapter 21 is one of those chapters that really tells us of the house or the home that we have. John says, this is a new heaven and a new earth. John says in 21, then he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. I like that. I saw the holy city, John says, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed. Her husband. Then I heard a voice from the throne of God saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Reading from the New International Version. And I like this. It says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old things 
are passed away. Now I can imagine that John, if he didn't have anything to eat, he was full with the blessings that he received as God appeared to him in this vision, not a dream. He was not having a nightmare, not a dream. This vision, God appeared to him and showed him the things that he talked about. He said he's gone to prepare a place. And he's, if I go, I will come back again. But Lord, your promise is long. I suffered long here on Patmos. But then God appeared to him and revealed these things to him. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of people in glory who we want to see. You know, the, the primary person would be Jesus himself. But then, probably we'll have to sit down and chat with John. You know, he was an old man at this time. And uh, so he spent his best of his life on Patmos. He must have been sent there in 30 or 40, when he was 30 or 40. And he stayed there for all this time. But God was ready for him. And he showed him, John, no more death, no more pain, no more seed to separate you from your family. But there's going to be joy in the present. Of the angel of God. He who was seated on the throne. Said. I am making everything new. Then he said to me. Write this down. Verse 5. For these words. Are trustworthy. Write them down John. Imagine John in his feeble. Age there. Wrote it down. Where did he get pen and pencil from? Where did he get a parchment from? Let us not worry about that. God is able. You know, God who could still the tempest. God who could feed 5,000 with five barley loaves and two small fish can do anything. God who could save you and me can do anything. God provides. Write them down, John. And I imagine as John stretched down here, there was the scroll, pen, quilt, ink, and he wrote them down. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. To the thirsty, it's interesting that he said this probably many times out there on Patmos, John had to wait for the rain. But to the thirsty, I will give of the water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Now, I don't know about you. Perhaps life gets boring. Sickness come, and you wonder, really, what next the Lord is going to do? Why me, Lord? Why did this happen to me? You know, I think of a lot of my friends are sick at this time, a long time. But God never makes a mistake. And uh, we thank 
God for the faith to believe that one of these days, yes, my dear friends, one of these days, you and I will be ushered up. We already have our boarding pass. And when time, God's time is there, he's going to take us. You probably won't have time to say, let me call home to tell them that I am out of here. No. God, when God's time is right. So, the sea was no longer. You will remember that this was the thing that separated him. You know, as we think of our home, our house warm in this beautiful home where God is. It's going to happen one of these days. We don't just serve the Lord and, uh, and uh, think that, God, you've been made your promise for so long, nothing is going to happen. It's going to happen. We are assured of this moment right here. None of us knows what's going to happen tomorrow, right now. And if God was to call you, would you say, Lord, not right now. Let me call my friends or our family to tell them I'm out of here. It's going to happen. And you know, I'm thinking that one of the best songs that came to mind as I was preparing for this message tonight is that well-known chorus that says, what a day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. Let's sing that together, Anto. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see, and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day, 
that will be. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. What a day that will be when all of us in here gather around the throne. You promise to come back for us. We believe your word. And when the time is right, you will either call us or come for us. So I beg you, dear Lord, that you would go with us tonight. Thank you for today and the many blessings that we received as we worship you from Sunday school time right on until tonight. So thank you, dear Lord, for your presence. And I beg you that you would help us, that we would keep watching because nobody knows when you're coming. Thank you, dear Lord, for the assurance to know that to be absent from this body is to be at home with the Lord. Thank you, dear Lord. Dismiss us now with your benediction in Jesus' name.